welcome 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 back guys welcome it's your girl lee here and right now you are enjoying black girls love movies the podcast where we talk about our favorite movies tv anime hell just about everything under the sun and as always thank you guys so much for listening um if you guys want to send me a question or a show topic you guys can always hit me up on my twitter at love black films or you can hit me up on my email blackgirlslovemovies at gmail.com uh, you guys can always support the show by donating to my cash app, ha- uh, cash cash symbol or cash sign, dollar sign. Oh my God, <laughs> dollar sign Lee Ann Maiden, um, L E E A N N Maiden M A I D is in David E N. Um, and also, please remember to like, share, and subscribe so we can grow this bad boy. All right, y'all. So I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm so excited about this episode today. Um, not only because I did so much research and watched probably every single thing I could of this show um but this show that we're going to review today is a classic it's it's unlocked every single long lost childhood memory for me and I gotta tell y'all I genuinely had such a good time rewatching this show plus I'm not gonna lie the theme song slaps someone once told me the grass is much greener on the other side all right. So if you haven't guessed it by now, based off the title in my little my little solo, um, I'm talking about the Nickelodeon classic as told by Ginger. So this groundbreaking series focuses mainly on the life of our main character, junior high school student Ginger Foutley, who is an avid writer. She journals her adventures and her times together with her friends, and she narrates her thoughts to us, the audience throughout the series. We get to follow Ginger, who is about 12 years old at the beginning of the season and ages up to about 14 when she enters her freshman year of high school. And her friends, Darren Patterson, um, who is Ginger's kind of longtime neighbor and later boyfriend, and we'll talk about him in a second, as well as one of her other two best friends, Deirdre Hortense, who goes by the name of Dodie. Is her, oh, her full name is Deirdre Hortense Bishop, a.k.a. Dodie Bishop, and Macy Lightfoot. So this trio, or group of four, I would say, well, trio, because it's really about the girls. Um, the show focuses on them trying to rise up the social, the school social ladder, basically, to be more than just popular wannabes. And as Ginger tries to navigate this complicated mess that is junior high, she sparks not only the interest of one of our other classmates, one of the richest and most popular girls in school named Courtney Grippling, but she also <laughs> gets the disdain of her right-hand sidekick, Miranda Kilgallen. And honestly, it doesn't really get any more down-to-earth than that. Like, that is the summary of the show. Um, and I mean, who can't relate to being awkward and weird in middle school and high school and like feeling just out of place and just wanting to be liked wanting to fit in just wanting to be with the quote-unquote cool crowd and I have to admit um rewatching this series I noticed that the show touched on a lot of topics that I never thought a kid's animated tv show would talk about um stuff like peer pressure death anxiety depression acceptance dealing with your sexuality and kind of what that means as a young preteen and i'm not lying the list goes on and on and on and on every single article i've read every review video i've watched just proves to me that not only was the show incredible it was a gem it's a gem that never got its true shine even though it was nominated for three count them three emmys y'all 
But it was also a show, in my personal opinion, that gave the young audience everything that they needed at a time in their life where they didn't necessarily know that they needed it. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. So I looked at the showrunner. Her name's Emily Kapnick. Um, It just shocked the hell out of me when I realized she was so young when she was running this show. She was about 25 years old. And quick side note. So I listened to Emily's interview and Emily talked about how she basically pitched as told by Ginger. So the company that executive produced the show, Klasky Kuspo, this is the... um, husband and wife team that created um Rugrats obviously as told by Ginger the Wild Thornberries all those cla- I think um Our Real Monsters they executive produced that show so that the husband and wife duo Class B and Cuspo they were doing a um like a not a summer I wouldn't call it a summer writing challenge but they basically kind of had a competition where people could submit their pitches for shows and you know it was like a writing competition like that so Emily said that she wrote the first episode of As Told by Ginger, um, not the version that we actually get to see in season one, but a version of the original um, unaired pilot called The Party. So she wrote that and she submitted it and she won. Mind you, she was fresh out of school. She had no experience. This was like her first. She just she just applied. She had no no she had no idea she was going to get it. Um, But one of the things that she always talks about in her interviews and a lot of what the cast and the crew really emphasized was that they purposely injected so much of their own personal lives in the series to keep it grounded. And you know what? I've I've heard her say in plenty of interviews that she's so proud to have included so many of her castmates and her coworkers ideas, her own ideas and their real life experiences from the creators on the show and you know they were able to infuse that and you can tell in every single episode you could tell like oh this isn't something they just made up this is this is a story that's grounded in reality and it's based off someone's real experience in school now listen this show is not trying to bash you over the head in an after school special kind of way it really wants you and genuinely wants you to feel seen and heard you know if you're 14 years old and when I rewatched the show, I swear to God, all I could see was myself and Ginger and her friends. I made the comparisons and just shook my head because I remember, I remembered why I fell in love with the show and craved it and wanted to watch it all the time. So when I was Ginger's age, I can admit I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be popular and I definitely wanted to be accepted. I thought, you know, it's got to be better over there with the cool kids versus my world of good grades and homework and carefully monitored after school activities and I loved to read I still do and I love to write in my journal like journal uh, like Ginger does and you know I pushed myself to be the smartest person in school like Macy and then on the other spectrum I tried to be perfect and I tried to be this overachieving a plus student in my mom's eyes like like Dodie trying to just overcompensate And you know what, from that awkward moment when I started liking guys to going through puberty myself and feeling like my mom was the enemy and I couldn't trust her. Like, I know it's dramatic as hell, but who wasn't dramatic when they was 14? So one of the great things about this show that we rarely or maybe never really see in other kids animated TV shows is that the characters have real growth. I mean, real character growth. And dare I say, they actually change across the series. And what I mean by that is over the course of about 60 episodes and three seasons, 
This show is telling us an introspective story where character arcs and actions are all interconnected. And characters don't magically forget what happened in the episodes before. Continuity matters. And you're going to hear me say that a lot today, over and over and over again, honestly. It's a small thing, but honestly, when characters reference things that have already happened before like Ginger being arrested in the first episode and that being like a running gag throughout the series. It seems like the show is more real and grounded in reality, like I mentioned before. Like the characters and their actions have real stakes. And the most important thing, in my opinion, the choices that these characters are making, they have a real impact affecting the story across the show. That's something that you rarely see in other shows, or at least back then. And um, I think my favorite is like a couple of like the ongoing jokes about continuity. So there's an ongoing gag across the whole three seasons with Carl and Hoodsy and this petrified eyeball that he keeps in his doghouse. Or um, or actually watching Lois go through her weight loss journey starting in season two before, you know, starting in season two and then going into season three. And it's the little things that she would do. She would make healthier meals. You would see her working out. You would see her like making jokes about, you know, um, I think there was one episode in Mommy Nearest um, towards the end of the episode where Ginger asked her mom, you know, oh, oh, I got a little bit of money. You want to get a soda? I'm going to go run and get a soda. And she says, you know, diet anything, you know, small things like that just show that Lois had a progress and into her physical appearance like she got smaller across these episodes. Um, what's another one that I really like? Oh, Ginger's Appendix Rub. So we're going to get to this later because this is one of the, one of my recommended episodes. But when Ginger's Appendix ruptures in season three, the artists purposely draw her weak. Her eyes are baggy. She's, you know, she just looks weak and, and sick, um, for being in the hospital for so long. Um, and that's how they drew her for about maybe two or three episodes. Well, I think for the episode that she comes back and then she's kind of all messed up. And then towards the end, she kind of looks more normal. Um, what else? Oh, and side note. So listen, how cool is it that the character's clothes actually changed back then? Listen, that is something that you did not see back in the early 2000s when this show came out. I never thought that this would be an important thing to think about, honestly. But guess, but you know, think about it. Don't you wear different clothes every day? exactly or when you watch a live action show or a movie like you can clearly see the characters have actual clothes different outfits I don't know having the characters change clothes may not be the biggest deal and I think I learned a long time ago watching an interviewer um I watched an interview with an animator a long time ago that the reason why most character outfits don't change over the course of the show is because it's cheaper and easier to draw the same thing over and over again. And people recognize when something looks the same all the time. Perfect example, um, The Simpsons. And it's really ironic because I, re- I remember watching an interview where Matt Groening said that like, you know, they did the executives at Fox didn't want him to make the family yellow because people aren't yellow and how are they supposed to sell? You know what I mean? But The Simpsons have an iconic look, the yellow skin, Marge's blue hair, or when you think of Family Guy, those characters have a very distinct look when you think about Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is a great example because he's had the same outfit on for the last 80 damn years. He His outfit may have been tweaked. They may have had a little bit of color. They may have, you know, made him a little bit more cuter as the years have gone on. But he himself has not changed. And again, that is because from an animation side, it is cheaper 
and easier to draw the same thing over and over again. And you know, as a matter of fact, I remember, um, what was I watching? I was watching the behind the scenes of I think Aladdin or something like that. And the two animators, there's a both of them are very famous um, that have that have worked for the Walt Disney Company for a long time. And um, the animator who animated Jafar and then the animator who animated the genie. Now, when you look at those characters, two very distinct characters and but they have the same look right when you look at Jafar he's drawn in these very sharp straight lines and he's got jagged edges and when you think of the genie he's like a cloud of smoke he's his lines are fluid they're always really smooth and and things like that so what happens is you know when the character looks the same it's easier to teach the other animators to come behind you um it's like to draw the same thing oh I remember the example I wanted to use was Rick and Morty so Rick and Morty is incredibly popular now, right? The first, I believe, three seasons, a lot of those animators and writers, I, they the show was so successful, they got jobs and they got other bids to do other stuff. Perfect example, the young lady who wrote, the main writer who wrote the episode for Pickle Rick, she went off to go direct She-Hulk. The main writer, Matt Schaefer, um, is it Matt, Matt Schaefer? Matthew Schaefer, I believe. He was a main writer for the first couple of seasons of Rick and Morty and had a very close relationship with the creators. And he went to go write WandaVision and now is writing the Fantastic Four. So I use them to say, even even though those people have left, you still watch Rick and Morty in seasons four, five, and probably in six. And the character design hasn't changed. The story really hasn't changed because people had to come in and fill those spots and they couldn't change the look of rick you know what i mean like rick has a distinct look morty has a distinct look the family has a distinct look so yeah but anyway okay back to the review so now i've touched on ginger and um her friends really quickly but i want to pivot really quick because i want to talk about her family and this to me is where i personally just felt seen as a viewer because i was raised by a single mother who was a full-time nurse and i didn't have a great relationship with my with my real dad he was never in my life and when i tried to have a relationship with him at around ginger's age for me it didn't work out similar to when ginger tries to bring in her absentee father into the picture and a lot of those episodes it ends up not really working out but they say like they keep it on a sweet note as to not like disappoint everybody or like be super depressing so I guess you could say I'm more like Carl who I feel gives a true portrayal of what a young man feels like when um when a father isn't in his life so Carl Foutley is Ginger's nine-year-old brother um and honestly like most younger brothers on animated tv he likes the grossest shit and has an equally gross and weird friend um named Robert Joseph aka Hoodsy who is Dodie's younger brother so you'll hear me refer to Carl and Hoodsy later in the show Carl to me um always seemed like the type of kid who just acts up not because he's bad in nature but because he knows that this is how adults respond to him he kind of reminds me of Eddie from Ed, Ed and Eddie without being all high strung. He likes coming up with these schemes to make money and these crazy ass experiments in his doghouse in the backyard. And, you know, although he puts up a front, like he's all this like, oh, I'm a tough guy. And, you know, he's a softie. He's a softie and he misses his dad like nobody's business. And secretly, Carl wishes that he could have a real family with them all together. You know, what? I knew Carl was soft. 
I shouldn't say soft. I knew he was a soft soul <laughs> when he befriends and then later falls in love with this old lady named Maude, um, who we who we meet in the nursing home in episode two. And then she dies at the dinner table. Um, the episode is called Carl and Maude. It's really good. Um, or when he goes to his classmate, Brandon Higsby's birthday party. So Brandon invites all of the fifth grade, right, to his birthday, but nobody shows up. So he's fucking embarrassed and he's lied to his parents and told them that oh you know i'm really popular and he made it like they were gonna have a bunch of people at the party not true so <laughs> carl comes and like basically convinces hoodsie to like go to the birthday party because he didn't you know carl is not a bad person and he didn't want brandon to seem like an unpopular loser to his family and i believe that episode is called new girl in town now ginger's mom Lois Feltley oh my god that woman is a true gem a blessing an angel walking on animated earth and during all my research I have found that every single person everybody in the world wants Lois to get more attention like as the number one animated mom in any cartoon series ever she's Lois is like she's not one of those fake parents that disappears and reappears whenever convenient for the story you feel what I'm saying? Like, she has a constant presence in the show. And it's something that I personally find really endearing. And I really enjoy it. I love when she shows up in the episode. She's active in both her kids' lives. But she has a sort of, how should I say, a groundedness to her. A certain 9 to 5. And definitely isn't afraid of making stovetop or shake and bake. Okay? Because, baby, she done had a long shift. And kids got to eat you know she's the kind of mom that just she knows when to give you the best advice when to give you a hug a kiss make you laugh when everything seems to be crumbling around you she's like the perfect she's the perfect idea of what a good mom like a mom who is a disciplinarian but also is cool with her kids like her kids trust her and they have a lot of respect and faith in her but she's like she also ain't gonna take no shit especially not from carl now no show would be completed without rounding out a full cast. And this show, baby, this show is full of interesting characters. Characters that also have growth across the series, like I've mentioned. Well, everybody except Miranda and Mipsy. Because them bitches is haters, okay? So, starting with Ginger's closest friends. I'm going to start with Dodie first. Um, Ginger has been best friends with Dodie and Macy since the second grade. But <laughs> when I think of Dodie, listen, who... I, I would say that, like, Dodie could give Jason Lee a run for his money with the type of gossip that she knows and can reference. I would call her a certified chatterbox. Mm -hmm, that's what I would call her. Dodie is obsessed with, with being popular and popularity. That girl eats, breathes, and probably shits gossip and has a number of times almost driven a wedge in her own friendships because of it. Now, I will say, I think Dodie, I think she may be obsessed with popularity because her mom, when she was in middle school, was voted missed popularity, as in she missed, like, the chance to be popular um, when she was in junior high school. And I think, like, this is Dodie's weird, obsessive, compulsive way of, like, avoiding what happened to her mom, like, because she wants to be popular. And then I was thinking, I'm like, like, is this a real thing? Like, if your mom was lame in high school, like, you, nobody remembers that. Like, what? Anyway. Dodie craves attention like nobody's business. And she is such a drama queen, a definite drama queen. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Why in the hell is Ginger friends with somebody like this? But wait a minute. 
you got to ask yourself, don't you know a Dodie in real life? You might be best friends with a Dodie who you would gladly make excuses for and probably start your sentence off with, I know she can be a lot, but if you just give her, if you just give her a chance, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. Anyway, despite Dodie's glaring character flaws, I will say, and you know, a sidebar in any, all the research, everybody hates Dodie. Like nobody thinks that Dodie can be redeemed in any way or form. In any way, everybody hates Dodie. But I think that Dodie represents a more like, and even her voice actress mentioned this as well. Dodie is the representation of the animalistic side of everybody when it comes to wanting more, wanting to be more than what you are in that moment. You know what I mean? So you may hate and shit on Dodie for, you know, being a wannabe and like want to be popular. But in the, but at the end of the day, she's no different than any young girl right now that wants to be or looks up to their favorite Instagram influencer. You know what I mean? Like wanting to be more than what you are. And, you know, in Dodie's, from Dodie's perspective, she feels like and we're going to get into Courtney in a little bit. She feels like because Courtney has taken an, an interest into Ginger and she's slowly being kind of brought into the popular circle, Dodie feels like by proxy, she's going to be popular because Ginger's becoming popular. You see what I'm saying? So the literal, like, she's a sweetheart, like the sweetest character of the entire show, Macy Lightfoot. Macy is one part highly intelligent and one part highly neglected by her parents. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Macy is in <laughs> Macy is in a constant state of panic in the show, which just adds to the humor. Like Macy brings a lot of the humorous elements to the show, a lot of the jokes. Um, and it's funny because she's allergic to pretty much everything. And she fears change like nobody's business. Um, now they do portray her as like a geek and they portray her as the most immature, even though technically she's the oldest. Um, she's very knowledgeable on like a bunch of different subjects. She's, she always has like a, an intellectual quip or, you know, she's just funny. But at the same time, Macy is incredibly childish because, you know, it's really due to her absentee and when I say absentee just think neglectful okay it's due to her parents never being around for her and like they're not there to help her through those various stages of adolescence so you know when we see episodes where Ginger is getting really good advice from her mom about growing up and you know maturing those conversations don't happen with Macy like she does not have that person in her life that you know, wants to help her bridge the gap between being a child and being a young adult. And, you know, it's just really sad because she's not prepared. She's so ill-prepared for high school, unlike Ginger and Dodie, who are genuinely excited for the change. And, you know, what I think about this one episode, and I was, I was going to include this in my list of favorite episodes, but I didn't because I didn't want the list to be too long. But there's a great episode with Macy. I think it's called Gym Class Confidential. So y'all remember how like we all had to watch the sex video in health class about like puberty and your body and stuff like the boys had to watch one and the girls had to watch one. So this show, it feels really nice. Like the show itself is like it's taken place in like 97 or 96 or something like that. And the whole episode is about them having to like watch this video in health class because if they don't watch it, they don't pass. 
um and macy is the only one that's just like having such a hard time like they even the girls ginger and Dodie even try to help her at the house like look at the female anatomy and oh my god macy passes <laughs> it's funny because macy passes out but that's just an example of her being a little bit more immature than her two best friends and i think that's a great episode because it, it really taught and that's what i meant like by by the show talking about sexuality because macy has a conversation with ginger where ginger basically says you know i'm your friend i'm gonna be here to support you i want you to watch this video with us because it's a milestone that i want to share with you as my friend as we're getting older experiencing life together and macy basically tells her you know i, I really only came because of you guys like i didn't even have my eyes open but but she admits like i don't want to get left behind but those things scare her maturity scares her sex scares her because it's not that is something totally new to her you know who else do i want to talk about um oh let's go ahead and talk about courtney <laughs> because courtney courtney is a lot so ginger has a some i would say somewhat of a relationship but i think that at the end of the day her and courtney are kind of friends in a way and courtney is like the atypical most popular girl in school richest girl in school lives in the rich neighborhood you know what I mean? And they portray her in a way like she doesn't understand the concept of middle class life at all. Um, and you know what? Even going so far, like she is so fascinated with Ginger. But like she's she's fascinated in a way like the rich girls in the shows would, you know, normally like they, they would be the antagonist. She's fascinated by Ginger and her normalness. Um even going so far as to call her mannerisms gingerisms and like I said just being obsessed with her just being a normal 13 14 year old girl so the show really uses Courtney to its advantage you know showing another side of life and very literally telling the audience that the grass is not green on Courtney's side by far it's probably brown but no matter what she puts on you know Courtney like she puts on this face but at the end of the day like she knows Courtney is a lonely little rich girl Courtney does not have any true friends like Miranda is not her real friend both of her parents neglect her emotionally and mentally probably worse than Dan Macy and you know what in season two I think it was episode 36 mommy nearest because this is one of the episodes I wanted to put on my list Courtney has to straight up tell so in the episode Courtney's mom tries to get a facelift and she gets an infection so she ends up in the hospital and because Courtney's mom is in the hospital, Courtney starts spending all this time with Ginger's mom, Lois. Now, at first, like, Ginger don't have a problem with it. She thinks it's kind of, you know, weird at first, but she don't have a problem with it until it seems like Courtney is encroaching on her, like, her position as the daughter to Lois. So there's a point in the episode where, you know, they don't have a falling out, but Ginger does tell her, like, bitch, you can't keep staying in my house. Like, go home. You know, you got a whole mama. And Courtney has to basically tell her, like, you know, Courtney just tells her, like, she has to remind her mom that she has children because she gets too caught up in herself. And when I heard that, I had to look at my, I think I was doing something. And Courtney said that, and I looked up at the screen, like, what the hell? Did she just say that? 
And you know what? When you find out what happens to Courtney and her family at the end of the season in um, the wedding frame, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, even when I talk about it, I'm not going to spoil it because it's so shocking. And I want people to genuinely see how the tables have turned for her and her family. Okay. Um, what else? Courtney, like most of the characters, has a range of outfits, given her vast wealth and, you know, her style and everything. And I don't care what nobody say about this. The animation is cute. I, I don't I don't want to hear any slander about this animation because it's not bad. Um, I do genuinely like the way that they're drawn. And I know it's it's easy to hate Courtney. It is, but honestly, she isn't as vapid as she puts on, and she has been known to help Ginger and her friends on numerous occasions. And while she is a little bit oblivious, I ain't gonna lie, she does have a good heart, unlike her best friend, Miranda. Lord. All right, now, pause for a moment. Now, there will this podcast is called Black Girls Love Movie, okay? And there will never, ever be any crease summer slander on this podcast. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Okay. Just wanna make sure you heard me. But... I do wish that Miranda had more of a character art. So if I was to criticize, because, you know, you can like something, but still criticize it objectively. There's one thing that really kind of bothered me, and it was how they just made Miranda not a scapegoat, but they made her the main antagonist of the series. And I feel like Miranda just didn't get a chance to grow. You know, Miranda's whole thing is she loves to bully and belittle Ginger and her friends. But... If you take a step back, everybody knows that bullies in real life, you know, we know hurt people hurt people. And Miranda is no different. Throughout the course of the show, you can just genuinely, I started to feel sorry for her because she was being mean because she don't, she don't have no real friends either. And you know what? Her overbearing military police father does not make life easy for her. And one of the things that just really struck me out of nowhere in the middle of writing this, in the middle of doing research for the show I stopped myself and I thought well before I get into that I was going to say that her dad like one he's never shown her any ounce of kindness like not at all not one ounce of kindness but then I started thinking about it and I was like well I'll be damned Miranda does not have a mom I don't think Miranda has a mom in this show like at all and then I went down a rabbit hole thinking, oh, my God, is this why she hates Ginger so much? Because Ginger has such a good relationship with her mom. And it seems like everybody knows like how close Ginger is to her mom. Now, on the, on the flip side to that, the show makes the, makes the point to say that, oh, well, Miranda is only jealous of Courtney giving all this interest and attention to Ginger because she doesn't want her position as, you know, Courtney's right hand to be compromised. Now... The only people in the show that try to like her or just be not genuinely nice to her despite her nasty ass attitude is Courtney and Ginger. Everybody else just seems to fear her or just want to kiss her ass and be on her good side. I'm looking at you, Mipsy. Now, I will say that at a time where there were just no black female characters, not a lot. I would say there were not a lot of black female characters on TV like this. I hate to say it, but I mean, I'll take what I can get. I may not like that Miranda didn't get the opportunity to have like a genuine growth. But on the other hand, she was a good antagonist. She was a good villain. You know what I mean? Like she, she made the show fun. Her jokes were interesting. Her comebacks were cool. And I love that they didn't shy away from making her black. Now, I took the time to watch the original unaired pilot. Like I said, it's called The Party. And 
Now, the way they drew them in that in the pilot, everybody looked ugly as hell. I ain't gonna lie. Every single character looks crazy as hell and everybody looks ugly. But one of the things that changed drastically, one I, one off top that I remember is Ginger's hair changes because it looked more like Lois's and now it looks, you know, more cute. The second thing was originally Miranda was gonna be a white girl. I know, right? Miranda was going to be a white girl. And I still haven't been able to, because I don't know why, but like Cree Summer like does not give a lot of interviews. And when she does, they're not long. So I couldn't really find a lot of information. Like, was this something that she like proposed to make Miranda black? Or like, did she just have input into her look and her design and her mannerisms? Because, you know, Cree is very much a black woman a black girl and like her portrayal through Miranda is realistic because I know black women like that you know I've been a Miranda once or twice in my life I'm not ashamed to say you know and it's just so crazy like as a black woman I recognize that and a part of me is like ah, don't portray us as being this like I'm not, I don't want to be I don't want to see more angry black versions of me you know what I mean like make her more make her more rounded you know don't make her just one-sided one note but I will say that there are episodes throughout the series and there are moments where Miranda just Miranda shows that the reason why she acts the way that she does is because one I do, she does not have a mom and two she comes from her father who does not show her any kind of emotional physical love at all and the only kind of it seems like the only time she ever really have fun is when she's following Courtney around. But she just, she does not have, she doesn't have the well-roundedness that you would expect from the sh- from this show that I've been talking about. Now, besides that, Miranda was incredibly stylish. Um, I love that they drew, they animated her with like nails, like with actual acrylics. Which, as a, as a little girl, like, that was always my thing. Like, I wanted to get my nails done because that's, you know, like, that's when I knew I was a big girl. Like, I was a teen, you know. I was getting my nails done. So, that's a little side note. And I do love that they made her physically look like a brown-skinned girl. They didn't over-sexualize her and make her really hippie and thick. But I do love that they animated her very thick, curly hair. And they did not shy away from the fact that she was black. You know, so I think if anything that came from that, from all those changes from the very first, from the pilot episode, I'm glad that they made Miranda Black. Very much so. Um, Who else are we going to talk about? Ooh, Darren. We're going to talk about Darren and then I want to get into some um, recommendations. So, other characters that round out this cast including um ginger's neighbor and her on again off again on again boyfriend darren patterson um another very interesting black character that shows a realistic portrayal of a young brother literally growing up like glowing up honestly from middle school to high school and out of all the characters darren has the most transformation across the series so at the beginning of season two he gets his braces taken off um throughout season one darren has has those like over the head braces like really ugly braces um so he gets his braces off in season two and then when they go into high school well I'll, I'll just before I even get into high school assume the episode where Darren gets his teeth off 
uh, his um braces off is the episode that him and Miranda start going out which is after I think Camp Caprice yeah it was the first episode after Camp Caprice so it's just so crazy that you could kind of see from that moment like oh shit Darren starting to smell himself and then going into freshman year of high school he joins the football team like his older brother and his dad because his dad I feel like thought he was just too soft you know hanging out with a bunch of girls and stuff like that like I'm sure y'all could recognize that y'all know what I'm saying he grows his hair out too um like mini dreads and then he starts bulking up like he start getting like muscular and you know what by the time all four of them fully transitioned into high school Darren has surpassed the girls in popularity and to me, this transformation further shows that like the characters, relationships change and grow. And sometimes we grow apart, just like the case with Darren. Darren, you could clearly see, was growing apart from the girls as the season went on, um, or as the seasons went on. And even when he tries to come to grips with his emotions with Ginger, you know, being her neighbor for so long, then being basically best friends, and then getting together, you know, and then they're how their relationship goes and we'll talk about that when we get into the recommendations but I really love that they had a well-rounded like black boy going into a black young man because you see a softer quieter side of Darren Darren used to get beat up in a lot of the earlier episodes like he just was not cool and as he starts to gain more confidence about himself you can like even the way that he talks to the girls kind of changes you know he talks to them with more confidence he just has like this air about himself that he just is more confident um and I think because maybe that's that's their way the animators and the creators way of like saying like well now he's starting as he's getting older he's starting to imitate his older brother more um because Darren has an older brother named Will and we see Will I think the first two seasons but after that he's a senior so he graduates I think sometime in season two and then we never see him again and yeah that I remember like I was just thinking like oh okay so like maybe this is why Darren is starting to kind of be more you know he's trying to separate himself from the girls because he wants to be popular like his older brother because his brother was like the shit in high school you know quarterback you know he's just the typical like well-known popular black quarterback at high school that's who his brother is and that's who he's turning into all right, I think I've broken down all of my characters. Oh, okay. So, this is the hard part, y'all. Um, giving you guys the recommendations. Because, honestly, a part of me wants to just be like, watch every single episode. Watch every single episode. But I know that that's not feasible for other people. Some people just want to get to the meat and the potatoes. They want to be well into the story they want to just watch the good stuff you know what I mean like they don't want to start from the beginning and I get it so I did try to jump around and these are going to be so out of the three seasons like I said I'm going to give you um three of my best episodes for those seasons that I would recommend and then I'm going to include all four of the movies because the tv movies I mean there's still episodes um in between the seasons but they were released as like you know on dvd says they were released as movies and that's how they play in the series so i didn't want to not include them because they're all four of them were really really good and i think that 
if you didn't watch the episodes, but you decided, okay, I'm going to watch these, you know, this three, these three episodes for camp, summer of camp Caprice, or I'm just going to watch the two episodes for butterflies are free, or I'm going to watch the three episodes for the wedding frame, you know, like you can have like a, a movie, you know, for this. Okay, so we're going to start with season one. So my first recommendation for season one is episode one. I know, cliche. Um, it's called Ginger the Juvie. Now, I recommend this first episode because off rip, I remember it fondly. And let's be honest, what better way to start your show, your animated children's show, than having your main character get arrested? Yeah, it's like that. Now, the overall lesson that we end up learning from this is that peer pressure sucks, right? And we shouldn't follow anybody, nobody blindly, no matter how bad we want to be liked. Now, the episode starts out, well, let me back up. So the episode checks every box when it comes to laying the groundwork of all the characters and like the general tone of the series. And we start with Ginger and her two best friends, Dodie and Macy, going over the sleepover plans for them um, while waiting after school. And this, you know, she's eavesdropping, but this sparks the interest of Courtney Grippling, who never having been to a sleepover, but finding the idea so fascinating. Remember I told y'all she's fascinated with the normalist shit, as well as the idea of Ginger herself. So Courtney then invites um, Ginger to her exclusive birthday party at her house. But Ginger gets hung up and paranoid on what to get her because Miranda basically you know convinces ginger like you gotta you gotta get um you gotta steal the enter sign from the bank because that would be a good gift for her what do you give basically she says well what do you give the person that has everything you know um and then the b story so i mentioned in the episodes there's a main story with ginger and then there's always a b story which is carl and hoodsie and i remember one of the um one of the executive producers or one of the writers on the show had mentioned that the reason why they wanted to have, you know, a B story with Carl is because, yes, they aimed the show at little girls. But if guys were watching, they would still be interested in what's going on with Hoodsie and with Carl. So the B story with Carl in the first episode, it involves um, baiting or tricking Blake Grippling. So Blake is Courtney's younger brother. So they try to trick Blake into coming over for a play date because they want to get him out of this treehouse. And the reason why is they want to take pictures or try to find stuff in the treehouse to blackmail him later. So naturally, Blake is super excited because he may have like this fake beef with Carl, but he really likes Carl and wants to be his friend and wants to hang out with Carl and Hoodsy because Blake thinks Carl is cool. You know, I know. Isn't that weird? But um, Blake ends up learning of the deception that, you know, he was tricked out of his treehouse and he steals Carl's most prized possession, the petrified eyeball. Remember? So that, like I said, is going to be a running gag in the series. Oh, fun fact. Okay, so if you watch the first season and I didn't watch these on Paramount Plus, so I don't know if Paramount has the Macy Gray version for all 60 episodes or if they truly have what I'm about to tell you. So, um, Melissa Disney is the voice of Ginger. Um, and in an interview, she told, she was said that the, um, the director, like the person that was like directing the, her singing the opening told her to sing it bad. And it was hard for her because, um, she, as well as Cree Summer are incredible singers, like can actually sing. And side note, Cree sings a lot of the songs um, 
in the show too one of them off the top of my head is um because i'm your mama it's the episode where you get to meet dr dave's mom yes funny um but anyway so melissa said in the interview you know that they told her to sing the song really badly so she sang the song in ginger's voice and it's cute it's it's a little annoying like i definitely wouldn't have wanted to hear that for all 60 episodes but it's it's kind of cute so she sings the theme song in ginger's voice and um yeah like they had her do that for i think maybe six or seven episodes and then i heard um from the voice actress that um voices dodie and macy that apparently everybody all the actors had to sing a version of the theme so Courtney sang one, Cree, um, Cree Summers sang, and she was like the official version of the song for like the rest of season one, I think. And then towards the end of season one, starting season two, I believe that's when they got Macy Gray. So to kind of back up, so Melissa Disney said, I think she met Macy Gray on like a flight or something like that. Um, before they even asked her so as I think it was season yeah because going into season two the show had just jumped in popularity and um even Emily Capek said that they wanted to have a popular artist sing the theme song just because that's just what happens apparently um and then I thought to myself oh wow like is she the only other person to like you know only other black woman to sing a theme song for an animated show But then I forgot, I forgot about um, Destiny's Child with Penny Proud. I'm sorry, Destiny's Child with the Proud family. They sang that theme. Macy Gray sang the theme for As Told by Ginger. And then Christina Milian sang the theme for Kim Possible. So I'm still trying to compile a a more detailed list of all the amazing black singers, black female singers that sang theme songs. But those were the three that came off the top of my head. So to make a long story kind of short, um... Yeah, so they asked Melissa to sing it first, and then they asked Cree to sing it. And then once the show got popping, Macy Gray sang it. And she jumped at the idea because in an interview, she said that her kids at the time were watching the show. They were fans of Nickelodeon, and she likes working with kids and on, like, kid projects. So she just, she loved it. And that theme song is iconic. Anybody that ever, that grew up in the 90s and 2000s, if you watch As Told by Ginger and that song comes on, you are going to sing every word because you know every word. Yeah, I know. All right. Um, Do I want to go into episode seven? Yeah, okay. So the next episode that I'm going to represent, 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 the (laughs) next episode that I'm going to recommend is called episode seven, Hello Stranger. Now, this is really deep um and I don't mean that to be pretentious like I really mean like this is a deep heavy episode because it's the first time that you see the relationship between Ginger and her flaky father Jonas Foutley so in this episode Ginger is selected to read a poem in front of her whole school and they're having a fall arts and fair fall arts fair and festival um and Meanwhile, you know, she's was selected for this poem. She gets this congratulation letter that shows up from her dad. But it's for her sixth grade graduation. And, you know, we all know that the start of the show, Ginger's in seventh grade. So while mulling over her poem, Ginger basically tries to deal with her feelings of longing for her dad, wanting him to be present for her poem reading. 
but at the same time, not knowing if he will actually be present, you know what I mean? Or is he going to be flaky? Now, the B story is that Carl is trying to grow his own snake for school pet day. But the only problem is <laughs> Lois comes home like it's one of them cheap ass things where like you mix it in the water or whatever. And he put it in the fridge and Lois comes home from work and she drinks it because she thinks it's lemonade. So ultimately, you know, Carl's mad because he can't bring his snake to school. But um, he now I had to rewatch this. I I don't I keep forgetting if Mr. Liquor, Mr. Licorice, who is Brandon's monkey, um, if he actually bites Carl or if Carl fakes it. But either way, Carl claims that the monkey bit him and then he starts acting like a monkey and he ends up in quarantine in the same hospital as Lois. And then throughout the rest of the episode, we see Ginger get so wrapped up in whether or not her dad will show up. She basically convinces her herself that he will. Um, and she does find inspiration for her poem, Hello Stranger. And I want to tell you how it ends, but you just, you gotta see this for yourself. Okay. Like you gotta see this one for yourself. I'm not going to ruin it. And, um, oh, this is probably one of my, one of my like top five episodes. Um, it's episode 10, Kiss and Makeup. So this is such a cute episode because, I understand the fear of looking ugly as hell on picture day. Now, granted, I don't think I ever took a bad picture for school picture day, but I do know, like, even now I'm subcon, like, I'm so self-conscious when I take pictures and Ginger and her friends, like, they want to look more grown up. They want to look grown and they think, oh, well, Courtney Grippling, she wears all the latest beauty trends that they just basically try to rock. They want to rock the same look as her. Right. But guess what? They got one problem. They broke as hell, right? And they can't afford nothing in the store. So they try the next best thing, which is like DIY makeup made from everyday home products. Now, on the surface, when I first watched this episode, I was like, oh my God, Ginger's ahead of the times. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Because I was thinking to myself like, wow, like this is what we see every day. You know what I mean? Like now it's a big thing to want to make your own makeup from home, your own hair products. Like that's something that, we just even now like for the last couple of years especially with the pandemic people have started to just make their own stuff um because it's cheaper especially now with inflation and i was thinking to myself damn every time you look on your feed somebody's trying to put some diy you know some some dupe on you so this to me this episode was really ahead of its time and so ginger Dodie, and macy they are <laughs> armed with cranberry sauce crayons and gravy and they go to work making blush foundation and eyeshadow. And you know what? Even when Lois catches them and she gives them a very stern talking to because they are using, they get basically they get caught using her makeup in her bathroom. Um, and the talking to is about, you know, being way too young for makeup and not needing something like that at their age to make them look older than what they are. And you know what? It's a really sweet lesson, but it's falling on deaf ears because the girls ultimately sneak their homemade makeup to school. And they think they hot shit, right? You know, they think they big shit popping. But they look a hot ass mess. And this is the one time that Miranda is kind of right. She said, <laughs> I don't know. Was it Miranda that say? Oh, no, no. Uh, Courtney says something like they look like they're auditioning for clown school. And Miranda's like, they're going to definitely get in. It was funny. So ultimately, you know, these pictures turn out crazy as hell. Um, the girls are like, yeah, we ain't never doing this again. Oh, the B story. So the B story is kind of, 
that's kind of lame because it really just involves Carl and Hoodsy like riding out with the garbage man Dwayne to Protected Pines and Protected Pines is the upper class high class neighborhood um gated community um that Courtney and her brother live in and they basically go with the garbage man Dwayne and they see that Blake throws out his baby blanket so Carl wants to take the baby blanket as blackmail <laughs> for for Blake this is so funny when I think about it because like throughout the end of the episode basically you see like Carl had his own version of a ba- of a baby blanket and it's actually Darren that comes to Blake's rescue because they blackmail him so bad and um Darren's like yeah well somebody I used to know wouldn't go anywhere without, without their stuff lammy pie and look, Hoodsy clowning the shit out of Carl. Like, you had a stuffed lamb? And look, Carl trying to save face. It wasn't a stuffed lamb. It was a tiger. Like, no. So ultimately, Carl does the right thing. And um, there's a really sweet moment at the end of that episode, too. All right. Um, we on season two? Season two. Okay, beautiful. So season two, this is probably one of my favorite episodes. Um, it's called episode 24, The Nurse's Strike. So the reason why I love this episode so much, because again, like I like my mom's a nurse, like I, this just seems so familiar to me. Um, I call this episode really endearing because it brings, in my opinion, it brings Ginger and Lois closer together as mother and daughter. And like the title implies, um, Lois is going through a nurse's strike, which means she's out of work and has been out of work for about six weeks. And you know, much to Ginger's dismay and her disappointment, um, Lois starts that she's, you know, Lois says, well, I'm gonna start a cleaning business so I can make money to support my family. Now, meanwhile, (laughs) Carl, dumbass, he decides he wants to help out too, you know, like he demanded a house, he wants to start his own business. So he starts a dog training business working with their principal, Principal Milty, and the principal's dog, the Duchess, like the dog's name is the Duchess. And Carl basically tells, you know, makes a bet with the principal. You give me two weeks of training and I'll train the Duchess and then she'll be great. And all this for $20. And I just shook my head. I was like, you stupid ass. Two weeks of work for $20? Dumb as hell. Anyway, back to Ginger and Lois. So naturally, Ginger feels hella embarrassed about her mom cleaning houses, right? Going so far to say to her mom, like, aren't you embarrassed, mom? Like, you're a registered nurse. You're not a registered cleaning woman. And because in Ginger's storyline in this episode, there's a school trip to New York that's kind of like looming over. And Lois kind of gives Ginger the idea, well, you can help me out by cleaning houses after school and you'll make up the, the $50 for your trip. So the one thing I will say that this episode does a great job about presenting the idea that Ginger doesn't want people to feel sorry for her or for people to call her poor. And she can't even say that word to her mom. Like she can't say poor or anything like that. But this is a really good episode to me about classism and social commentary of strikes because, you know, you could, you know, your kid could be watching this show and then they turn around and look at you like, well, you know, what's a strike? What does that mean? And that's what I'm talking about, y'all. This show just has a way of presenting these grown-up complicated ideas in such a way that it's palatable for children to understand. What's the other thing I wanted to talk about with this episode? It was one other thing. Hmm. Oh, the most important thing that Lois says because she does get an offer to go clean Courtney Grippling's house. And, you know, of course, at this point, <clears throat> Ginger was okay with it at first. But, you know, cleaning Courtney's house is a step over the line. 
So, you know, Lois straight up tells Ginger, like, they can't make me feel bad about cleaning houses because I don't feel bad about cleaning houses. You know, like, that is the most mature thing I think could be said in this episode because she don't give a damn what people think about her. She working hard to take care of her family. And do you really think people, people... People I know, I have seen people make hundreds of dollars cleaning. There's nothing wrong with cleaning houses. People have whole businesses just cleaning up after people. As a matter of fact, at my job, there is a a cleaning, a, a janitorial custodian staff here. The man that owns this company has been working for my job for like the last fucking 50 years. He's put all of his kids through college. All his children are successful. They'll even come work and help with the business. Cleaning is not, I just really want people to get off the stigma that being a janitor, being a garbage man, like they're just the most disgusting things when these people make the best money. Well, I could definitely say garbage people make good money, but I feel like if you have your own cleaning business, do you know how lazy fucking, people are so lazy. You don't think they want to just throw some money at somebody and let them clean it, clean their house or whatever? Same thing with your car. Don't you spend $20 on getting your car washed because you don't want to clean your car? Knowing good and hell well, water is free. You can get, you probably got soap at your house, you know? But anyway, I don't want to go on a socialism classism rant. Just watch the episode. It's called The Nurse's Strike. (laughs) Um, What else? What else? What else? Oh, so my other two episodes for season two. So episode 33, Family Therapy. Mm, This is another heavy episode. Now, I was genuinely trying to find other instances where we get to meet Macy's parents but to be honest they don't appear in any other episodes besides this one and that's so sad you know but anyway the main plot of this episode is that Macy is turning 13 years old on the same day as Mipsy Mipsington I think is what her name is she's like half Egyptian half Lebanese or something like that so her family come for money too and she's throwing this like extravagant birthday party and you know like I said Macy's birthday is on the same day and her neglectful psychotherapist parents end up forgetting Macy's fucking birthday and pacifying her with these childish ass parties as if she's turned five and that really bothered me now the B storyline the B story is just it's really stupid I still shouldn't say stupid because it's Carl dealing with his own fear so Carl has a fear of naked mole rats and I know that's weird but that's like what he's trying to overcome so back to Macy so once they find out basically once Ginger and Dodie realize damn like your parents forgot your birthday Macy's uh, and they take her up there to their job and like to Macy's parents job and they like basically make them see like you missed her birthday so they start like I said overcompensating and just showering her with all this love and affection and attention which you can see throughout the episode I mean it clearly makes Macy happy because she's never had this but Ginger being headstrong just wants to take matters into her own hands right and feels that Macy should stand up to her parents and make them look at her like a teenager you know Ginger wants them to treat her like a teenager. So, but it's crazy because 
Lois kind of voices in the episode to Ginger, like, is that what Macy wants? Or is that just what, like, is that what she told you? Or is that what you want? You know, in regards to how they're treating Macy. And this is just another great episode that deals with really heavy topics, child abandonment, child abandonment and neglect, and kind of what that does to the child. But like I said, as I mentioned way earlier, like this just further adds to why Macy is so mature up until she gets like into high school for real. Um, And another great episode, which I can't even believe they like let them air this. Like it's crazy that this is like a Nickelodeon episode. It's episode 40 and she was gone. So this episode should have won a fucking enemy. Like I don't, and I honestly, I can't figure out why it didn't win, but it should have won. So this is the infamous episode where Ginger writes a really dark poem about a girl who kills herself, or at least that's what you can kind of interpret from the poem. And <laughs> she ends up in the school therapist's office. Now, Emily Kapek had said in this interview that I that I read, I'm sorry, that I listened to, that um, she said this episode is straight from personal experience. It actually happened to her in high school. She said she wrote a play um, for her drama class about a girl who commits suicide and she said that even though her drama teacher loved it there were other students really loved it a lot of people a lot of other staff was they got real concerned and they thought oh well she's suicidal she wants to kill herself so for weeks and weeks and weeks she had to go to her therapist her school therapist now ginger in the episode she just can't understand she just cannot fathom why it seems every single person in the school is making such a big deal about her poem and you know what? It's funny because Courtney says to her, you know, she says she's affected because she's like she starts going goth and wearing dark clothes and dark hair because um, she notices all this attention that Ginger is getting because people are, you know, people think she's depressed and suicidal. Now, this is funny because this is where we get to meet Noel for the first time. And it's crazy because Noel is voiced by Emily Kapek. And this story is about an experience that Emily Kapek went through. So kind of crazy. But the B storyline is that Carl and Hoodsy, um, they're planning to make somebody disappear um, after they buy like this fake vanishing powder from this cheap ass magic shop that they keep going to. So they decide, oh, we'll make Noel Sussman disappear. Right. But Carl like starts developing feelings for Noel as he starts to learn more and more about her and how much in common they have when it comes to like all this weird stuff. And when I say that, think about like Morticia and Gomez meeting like two peas in a pod. That's how uh, Carl and Noel are. So then he starts losing his damn mind y'all because he think he didn't vanish the, the woman of his dreams. <laughs> all right, that's the end of season two. Okay, so season three, whew, season three just ramps up the drama because this is when the girls um, are in high school. They're a freshman in high school. And honestly, this is this episode I'm going to talk about is I'm not going to spoil it and kind of break it down too much, but it's definitely recommended. If you don't watch anything else, you need to watch this because it'll make you think like, damn, am I still watching this whole by Ginger? You sure this ain't Degrassi? Are you for you? It's like, nah. Um, so episode 44, Wicked Game. So this episode, like I said, this episode deserves an Emmy. This episode and Ash and um and, and she was gone. Both of them deserve Emmy because when I tell you I've never seen 
teen drama play out in such a realistic way that wasn't over the top. And I know I joked about Euphoria and Degrassi, but those are two examples where the drama, although it has a little bit of reality and they're trying to ground it in something because of everything else that's going on in the show, it just seems so fantastical. You know what I mean? And this episode tackles really tough issues of betrayal and backstabbing when it comes to friendship, something that every girl in high school and middle school has gone through, right? And the other thing that makes this episode really special is this is the episode that airs right after the second TV movie, Far From Home. And in that movie, and we're going to talk about it in more detail, in that movie, Darren and Ginger kind of solidify their relationship and their feelings for one another as a couple. And they're like official at at the end of Far From Home. Sadly, everyone else around them is not happy about them being a new couple. And when I say everybody, I mean specifically Dodie Macy, Miranda, and Mipsy. And without giving too much away, I think everyone, like I said, should watch this episode because these girls collude together to try to take down Darren and Ginger. And guess who comes to Ginger's rescue in the end? None other than Courtney Griplin. I know, right? Now, the B story is, like I said, it's not as interesting in this episode because Carl, um, so it involves Carl hanging out with a classmate of Noelle's called Polly Schuster. She was like obsessed with birds. So <laughs> Noelle kind of loses Carl in a bet because she has a bad gambling problem. She loses Carl, her shoe and her glasses. So in order to like fill her bet or whatever, she bets Carl and Carl has to go play with Polly for the weekend and they have to play this made up game called Parrot World. And it's funny because Polly is so weird and she like really squawks like a bird that nobody wants to play with her. And it's funny because it's like, y'all y'all keeps hearing me say, oh, Carl's trying to blackmail Blake. Carl's trying to blackmail Blake. Well... The only good thing that comes out of this is Blake's attempt to blackmail Carl. Um, basically, his attempt to blackmail um, Carl with the photos of him and Polly playing together. And he was going to like show it to Noel and kind of be like, yeah, your man don't want you no more. He done moved on. The only good thing that comes out of that is because Blake take those, takes those pictures, that ultimately leads to Dr. Dave proposing to Lois. I know, crazy, but it happens. And then what else? Okay, so my last two recommendations for season three. Now, 10 Chairs, episode 51. This episode, I do not believe, was aired um, to the public until like maybe six or seven years after As Told by Ginger was off the air. And I'm a sucker for Thanksgiving episodes, just like a, like a good Christmas episode. So I had to have one on my list because I didn't include any of the Christmas stuff for the previous seasons. But in this episode, we see that Ginger is feeling conflicted because she wants to invite her dad to dinner, but there's only one problem. At this point, Dr. Dave and Lois have gotten real serious and Dr. Dave's mom is coming to dinner. Oh yeah, and Lois has no idea that Jonas was invited. I know. So as you can imagine, it's like the most awkward fucking dinner in the world. And the bishops are invited too. Um... Plus, like, Dr. Dave's mom, who everybody calls Mrs. Dave, she's the worst. Like, the fucking worst. I mean, a true mother-in-law from the pits of hell. The moment Lois catches her in the kitchen while she's trying to make her dry-ass turkey, 
Then Lois find out Mrs. Dave stuck her finger in all of Lois's pies. Oh my God, if I was Lois, I would have smacked the shit out of her respectfully. Because why, why do you think that's okay? For you to put your nasty ass fingers in my food, ma'am. Anyway, meanwhile, Carl and Hoodsy are taking a stand against turkey genocide. <laughs> with this stupid ass idea to basically free a turkey or something like that. Now the gag is a salesperson gives them the turkey from hell that they lock up in the doghouse. But the turkey ended up getting loose. So the family drama just continues to build up when Carl goes out of his way to like be really rude and condescending to Jonas when he does show up. He even calls Dr. Dave dad in front of everybody. Yeah, drama feel. Needless to say, it's a great episode for those who <laughs> like to see other people's family dysfunction on the holiday season. You'll love it. But it's a really good endearing episode in the end. Um, okay, and then my last recommendation before we get into the movies. Now, A Lesson in Type Ropes is, like like I said, if you don't watch anything else, you need to watch And She Was Gone, Wicked Game, and A Lesson in Type Ropes. Because <sighs> this episode is so fucking heavy and deep. Like, this, this is when I truly forgot that I was watching a kid's animated TV show. Now, I will say, um... Now, I will say this episode is, is hard to watch. So if you're a person that like doesn't like really heavy subjects, like I know, like I, why would I say that about this and not about the suicide episode? Because a lot of people don't, a lot of people who have gone through personal, you know, medical tragedies or have had to have emergency surgery for any reason, this may, this may be not the best episode for you. And you know what? I will say the same thing for And She Was Gone. Because if you're struggling with suicide and depression, that episode could help you or harm you. Um, so I'd say watching it, you may... I, I If I could put a disclaimer on these two episodes, I would. So did you know that your appendix can rupture from stress? Because I sure as hell didn't know that. And I had to look it up. I thought the writers, like, I thought they just made this shit up for the for the show. Like, they just made this whole scenario up. So, this episode is so good, y'all. Like, it's so good. You, like I said, you gonna forget that you're watching a kid's show. Because at this point, um, the main story is that Darren ends up breaking up with Ginger. And as I mentioned, they, like... They got together before they got into high school, right? And as you start to watch season three, you start to notice that Ginger and Darren are starting to drift apart. They just are. Um, and I'll mention, I'll talk about that in, in the episode, um, in the TV movie, Butterflies Are Free, because that's their graduation. But at this point in the season, Darren is so like deep into football. Ginger has, is like deep into student council. She started a band. She's still writing. You know what I mean? Like they're just they're just not on the same spectrum anymore. And Darren ends up leaving Ginger for the senior cheerleader, Simone. And Ginger is just so overwhelmed by the stress, just by the sheer uh, shittiness of it all. Like that when Lois comes to check on her later in the later that night, Ginger is unconscious. And she's screaming for Dr. Dave, screaming for Dr. Dave. And they rush to the hospital because at this point, Ginger needs emergency surgery because her appendix has ruptured and she has an infection. Um, And as she's recovering, a lot of her family and friends come to see her in the hospital, including her dad, Jonas. And Carl is 
pissed. So Carl becomes worried that his dad's appearance like is gonna rekindle feelings with between Lois and his dad and like ruin the relationship that she has with Dr. Dave. And you know what? Meanwhile, as Ginger's laying in the hospital bed, she kind of reflects on her relationship not only with Darren, but her budding relationship with Orion. And Orion she meets, um, she's another he's another love interest of Ginger. Um, she meets him in the detention episode. But he basically straight up tells her, like, I'm in love with you. You're not going to remember this, but I will and I love you and I want to be with you. Um, but again, I don't think episode 52 did not air on Nickelodeon. Episode 52 detention that didn't air. Um, OK, so that's the recommendation for all of the episodes. So now we're going to talk about the four TV movies. Now, I'm going to start with the summer of Camp Caprice because I, I went in order. So this is the first made for TV movie for the show that takes place at the end of season one, which is like the start of summer break. Um, Our trio is all geared up for Camp Caprice, which is an all girls camp. And the episode opens. Ginger tells us, you know, at some moments it seems like time actually stands still. I mean, you're waiting for something really cool to happen. One lousy minute can last an eternity. And then there's summer vacation, the long-awaited freedom for routine. It kind of does strange things to people. She straight up tells us that in the opening. Now, I've never been to sleepaway camp, but I've always wanted to go. I've always heard it's so fun, especially because The Parent Trap is one of my favorite movies. And that's the kind of camp I would always wanted to go to, something like that. Um, but yeah, my mom was not having no overnight camp she won't go in for that so anyway Courtney overhears the girls like talking about their summer plans of camp and naturally asks them to explain to her you know what is summer camp and Miranda is the one that kind of keeps it real with Courtney and says girl your ass is not gonna last five minutes in the woods <laughs> and that pisses Courtney off so she decides that she's gonna cancel bo- their whole trip to the Virgin Islands she calls Winston and the maid and basically tell them like you need to get me packed up for camp right away and Miranda is crushed because like I said her father is overbearing and he's not gonna let her go on on a trip out the country by herself so she ends up going to the military camp the same military camp as Darren because like I said Darren's dad put him in that camp because he thought he was getting soft and the military camp is right across from Camp Caprice I know irony and it seems like everybody wants something out of the summer right Ginger wants to go closer to Sasha Sasha is the young boy that she meets at camp and kind of learns to not shy away from her budding feelings like really kind of like accepting like I like boys and there's nothing wrong with me liking boys um what's Dodie's um thing that she wants oh Dodie wants to run the camp like damn near run the camp as like a baby camp camp counselor and Macy just wants to conquer her fear of swimming in the lake um Courtney's thing for the summer she wants to prove herself to everyone and dare I say try to make friends and also because continuity is so strong throughout the series as I mentioned characters we meet here in this episode are going to continue to play a larger role throughout the series like the camp itself like Sasha um now Carl and Hoodsy's plot it just revolves around them starting a vampire cleaning service because they're trying to catch a dog napper in the neighborhood um so yeah that's Camp Caprice now Far From Home this is a really good one because it's a three-parter um like Camp Caprice and Far From Home I feel like without this one characters well I'll, I'll get to that So Ginger is selected for a special fellowship program at a school, an up north school called Avalanche Arts Academy. 
And she sent up there to study for like one semester. And in the start of the episodes, it just seems like nobody's happy for her but Darren. And Darren brings Macy and Dodie around and, you know, Courtney kind of finds herself not able to cope without Ginger being around after she finds out she's leaving. And Courtney finds herself like tagging along with Macy and Dodie, just basically trying to soak up anything Ginger. But I feel like this movie is pivotal for the characters because oddly enough, all of their transformations stem from Ginger, right? And I guess that would make sense because she's the main character. So you have Darren. Darren finds the courage to tell Ginger how he feels about her. Courtney like actually realizes that Miranda is plotting with Mipsy to make Ginger's transition more permanent. And then that's kind of where I see a little bit of the shift between Courtney and Miranda in their relationship later in the show. And then Macy and Dodie basically having to come to grips with the fact that their friend is like outgrowing them, you know? And now the B plot is, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. So Carl and Noel have been a couple for a, a minute at this point. And Carl wants to win this competition. It's called the Weird Human Fest. And during these episodes, he's coming to grips with the feelings he has for Noel who you know is a is their very sweet telekinetic neighbor but he's growing jealous because carl and noelle are ha- like they have their own friendship and this growing jealousy is like ripping carl and hoodsy apart and it kind of makes you wonder like is their friendship gonna last um oh butterflies are free so butterflies are free is like i mentioned before it's the eighth grade graduation and I was asked like do you remember your eighth grade graduation because I kind of remember mine but not really I don't really remember it but I do remember that overwhelming overwhelming feeling of like transitioning into high school like going to like my high school orientation like I was scared like I was scared to be a freshman you know um, and in this two-part movie, Ginger and her friends, like I said, are graduating Lucky Junior High. And Ginger is asked by her favorite teacher, Ms. Zorsky, to give the speech at graduation, right? And she's having a really hard time writing it because Ginger is now at a point where she sees that her friends are being pulled in different directions, even herself. Um, everyone, when they make the tour of the high school for orientation, they're literally separated by last name after they just made a comment like nothing is going to separate us and then they're separated by last name so you see macy macy is finally getting into boys at like the start of butterflies are free going into ninth grade um one of her bandmates is really interested in her so she goes to an interest meeting for her high school band and her bandmate later bandmate andrew has like his eye on her and like you know like macy like oh my god like a boy likes me then you have Darren. So Darren is getting involved in football and like his father and brother before him, you know, and then Dodie. So Dodie's obsessed with the cheerleaders, the pep squad and their dumbass cheers. And then, like I said, Ginger herself, she's running for student council. She's a writer. She started her own band, you know, and that's kind of like the gist of their story of like how is she how is Ginger and her friends going to manage this transition growing up, going from you know, eighth grade to ninth grade. Now the B plot of the story is that, um, 
what's the B plot? Oh, Carl and Hoodsy. So they are naturally, they're going from um, the fifth grade to the sixth grade. So they're graduating elementary school, going into middle school. And Carl and Hoodsy are basically putting their petrified eyeball, Blake's tonsils, and Mr. Licorice's tooth into a school time council. Um, with basically symbolizing the end of their childish ways like going from the fifth grade to the sixth grade but you know can Carl keep up this good boy act and I think one of the like strangest thing one of the most odd things to me that still sticks with me because it's really prevalent in the later seasons this is the first time you see Courtney get bullied by other high school girls and this will continue for the rest of the season. And Courtney doesn't know what to do with this bullying. Like, she's so obtuse, you know what I mean, to the bullying. And that's kind of why I wish there was more seasons. Because I would want to see, what are they going to, like, what is their high school graduation going to look like? You know, because of course Ginger would do the speech. But anyway, okay, so that's Butterflies Are Free. Um, yeah, okay, so The Wedding Frame. All right, so the wedding frame is really good. Now, unfortunately, this like this was never really released on TV, and I'll tell you why in a second. But who doesn't love a good wedding, right? Or drama, or hell, suspense for that matter. So the last three episodes of the show consist of this made-for-TV movie, which, like I said, ironically, was never shown on TV. Fun fact, the only way you could watch it is if you bought the DVD box set back in the day. And as of this recording, I do believe you can watch, as I mentioned before, you can watch all three seasons on Paramount Plus, I think. Even the episodes that didn't air, um, like the Battle of the Bands episode and kind of and the episode where Ginger gets addicted to coffee. Those like last six or seven, I think it's eight episodes that never got aired. Um, but anyway, yeah, um, Lois and Dr. Dave are getting married. And Ginger is having conflicting feelings about commitment, especially with her new boo, Orion, because you got to remember, she's trying to balance these feelings with Orion after her heartbreak with Darren and wanting her mom's wedding to be perfect. But at the same time, no one is aware that there's this really sinister, like truly a sinister plot brewing um, to break Lois and Dr. Dave up. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that, like it's brewing against Lois and Dr. Dave. So you got to ask yourself, like, is the wedding still going to go on? Will Ginger and Darren get a grip and just make up already and get back together? Also, without spoiling the ending, um, there is a like a book ending too, as told by Ginger in the wedding frame. Because you do get to see Ginger, oh, like you get to see all the characters age. Like, like they all like got older. Um, So I think that would be a great beginning. If the season was, if, like if the show was to come back, I would want it to start right where season three ended or I would want it to pick up after Lois is like after Lois gets married because once Lois started dating Dr. Dave everything just changes for the family like yeah they're gender they're genuinely happy and it's not about Dr. Dave having money but you know like like I said, Lois is losing weight. Carl's actually acting a little bit better. Ginger's maturing in her own way. They're about to move into a big-ass house. Like, their whole life is transforming. <sighs> what else did I want to say? Because I, the reason why I really can't talk about this is because if I talk about it, I'm going to ruin the surprise. And if I talk about the surprise, like, it would make sense. It makes sense to me why Nickelodeon didn't air this. 
because the twist involves something that I don't think they would have want to put on a, t- a child's TV show, you know. So, but that's just playing politics. But I think that this episode is really, really, really good, regardless of that. So, um, let me see. Was there anything else? I haven't, okay, I didn't have any honorable mentions because I think I kind of mentioned them throughout today's episode. So, listen, when it's all said and done, I'm, I'm so glad that I took the time to come back to this show. Easily one of my favorites again. Um, I'm still like rewatching episodes that are my favorite because the show's still really good. This show made me laugh. It made me giggle. I even shed a tear or two when things got really heavy in some of these episodes. I'm just so glad that a show like this exists. Like I'm just happier that kids today get a chance to experience this show, look at the show, criticize it, like it, not like it, whatever the case may be. I'm glad that the show exists and I'm really glad that somebody like Emily Kapek and her and Kapnick and um her entire crew that made a show like I can tell the show was made out of love genuine love and it's in every single frame it's in every single song and every single poem on this show you know what somebody once told me the grass will be greener on the other side (sighs) well listen I paid a visit and it's possible that I missed it it seemed different yet exactly the same so until further notice I'm in between because where I'm standing, my grass is green. So always remember when someone tells you the grass is greener on their side, just tell them your grass is doing just fine. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. Thank you so much for listening today to Black Girls Love Movies. Um, Please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast now available um, on all podcasting platforms. So right now I am available on um, obviously Anchor, Spotify. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio as well. Um, plus you can always go to my website, Black Girls Love Movies on WordPress, and I have all the episodes on there as well. Um, as well as I'm starting to write the show scripts and just put them on the website so people can read as well as listen along to the show. Um, yeah, guys, thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Like I said, like, comment, and subscribe to the podcast, baby. It's your girl, Lee. Thank you so much for listening. And I am out.